We now know the matchup between Europe and North America for the final world spot. It is, spoiler alert, Golden Guardians and BDS. Still not even like, uh, still got like a month until that matchup happens, but we finally know the long-awaited uh, matchup. Um, also, some drama to talk about this episode. Nicole stepping down. There's a lot of people that are still not happy with her. There's not a lot of people that are not happy with the interview she gave. We'll go over it. Actually, quite an interesting interview. And speaking of interviews, Travis Gafford did one with the LCS leadership. That one was also really interesting for different reasons. And then we'll cover the uh, Cloud9 Jack and, and LS drama. We'll cover that in quick news. So we got quite a bit to go over in episode 139 of the Clown Fiesta podcast with Blue J and JNT250. Jinter, we're back. We're back again. And it wasn't even that long, actually. Yeah, we had a little one-week vacation. You know. Did you not think it would be longer? Like, I thought, like, with Worlds being, like, a month and whatever away still, I thought, like, man, I don't know what the hell we're going to talk about. But sure enough, there's stuff to talk about. Well, I mean, we're back temporarily. Yeah. We'll we see might about go on week, hiatus right? again for a little bit. but <laughs> Yeah, very I mean, true. Worlds is still a month and a week away, so... I can't imagine that we'll be doing episodes all in between that. It will be to be determined. Okay, so let's talk about the BDS uh, and Golden Guardian series that will be approaching. Should we start with like what we saw out of BDS this weekend against Fnatic, or what do you want to do? How do you want to how do you want to structure this? I mean, I thought I thought that was actually a pretty good series between BDS and Fnatic. I was expecting uh, Fnatic to probably just wipe the floor with them, not wipe the floor with them like it was going to be a quick and easy three zero, but Fnatic definitely felt like the uh, favored team, I think, you know, due to their results in winter and spring, they were only the fifth seed in the LEC season finals sort of tournament. So they were very likely going to have to roll through the lower bracket for the majority of the tournament anyways. But I think that's kind of unlucky for some of the other lower bracket teams who have to go up and face them because you just kind of look at summer only ignoring the previous roster iterations of Fnatic in both winter and spring, Fnatic is probably the second best team in all of summer. Well, I, I it's funny because I think a lot of people struggled with how to value Fnatic with the Wonder situation, right? Oscar Rinna not being able to play because he's got, I think, a broken hand. And then Wonder goes in and Wonder hasn't played for quite some time. And it's just like emergency sub. And it's like, oh, how is this going to work out? And it kind of went okay for him. It started off, it seemed like to start, things weren't going so good. Uh, Adam was getting the best of him. As the series went on, he kind of seemed to not really stand out like some people thought he might. It definitely felt like he took a couple games to get back into the swing of things. You could definitely tell that Wonder was playing very reserved in the first uh, couple of games. And I think a lot of that just had to do with the straight up laning from like levels one to three. Um, I thought BDS did a really good job <clears throat> of identifying Wonder as a weak point, ganking him early and often. More often than not, Adam was getting the better of him in the early games, in games one through three. I think it was, can't remember the, can't remember them all exactly, but I thought BDS, despite you know the situation in top lane, they did a good job to attack that. Um, but overall, I think the majority of people thought the Fnatic was gonna be very favored going into the series, and it was very competitive and very close. Do you feel better for Golden Guardians or worse after watching that BO5? Hard to say because, you know, looking at Golden Guardians, they kind of slumped towards the end of the season. You know, they had a really yeah. strong regular season. I think a lot of people viewed them as either the number one or number two seed um, seed for North America. You know, going into the playoffs, you know, everyone 
kind of did view Cloud9 as the favorite based off of them beating Golden Guardians in that last tiebreaker match. But I think everybody believed that Golden Guardians was not too far behind Cloud9 and should they match up in the playoffs would probably give Cloud9 their best uh, matchup in terms of competitiveness. Now, that didn't end up happening because Golden Guardians lost before then, losing to NRG in the upper bracket, dropping to the lower bracket, then losing to Team Liquid. So it definitely, and I think I said this at the time, it really leaves a bad taste in your mouth when you look at this Golden Guardians, you know, series versus BDS, because the last thing that we saw from them was a mistake-prone and mistake-heavy Golden Guardians who was, you know, incorrectly doing the simplest of things. And you can't say the same thing about BDS, right? Yes, they lost, but they they went to fight. Like, it was a close series, honestly, and I thought they played really well. So... I'm a little bit more concerned after watching the best of five between BDS and Fnatic than I was before. I don't know about you. The perception I got from a lot of European fans was like, if it's not G2, they're not good. That's the that's the feeling I got just from hearing um, LEC fans, whether it be on Twitter, Reddit, or et cetera. Um, that doesn't always mean that those are the greatest sources, but like you hear different things from different places and you kind of get an idea of what the community sentiment is. And I didn't feel like the community sentiment was that high of LEC, but I thought the games were pretty well played on both sides. Yes, of course, there was mistakes, but pretty well played. Um, at the start of the series, I thought BDS was the better team for sure. I liked their macro a lot. Um, very decisive. So like the one play, they're split pushing. They force Fnatic to TP to the top lane, and there's no hesitation. Instantly, as soon as they start, they someone starts TPing top, they clearly think we can fight here. They engage a fight and they end up winning that fight. So I looked at that and went, oh, shit, BDS, they know exactly when they want to fight. And they're very quick. Like, there's not a, hey, guys, I think we can fight here. It's just, no, we're fighting instantly. That's a very good uh, feature to have in a team. Um, with that said, the very next game, they did the opposite, where they were actually the team that TP'd away, stuck around too long, and let Fnatic engage on them. So, like, I guess both teams did make mistakes, some pretty poor macro mistakes where you're just TPing away and just not expecting the other team to engage on you. But I look at that and say it's more of a positive from both teams being able to uh, instantly decide when to fight. I've always valued the team that reacts first or acts first, rather. Um, and that's something that I think both Fnatic and BDS portrayed. So I, I, anyways, I think that that's a feature that BDS um, is going to have going up against Golden Guardians. And I think it's a plus column for BDS. Yeah, uh, I wanted to just quickly go back to your first point when you mentioned that, you know, if it's not G2, you know, everything should be fine. Mm -hmm. And, you know, admittedly, this is a bit of an old opinion that I had, but I want to say it was around the time when LCS regular season was finishing and LEC sort of, I think summer was like just starting. I was of the opinion that I thought the middle of the pack of LEC was way much better, you know, was so much better than the middle of the pack for the LCS. So going into, you know, the the playoffs of each region, at the time, I had thought that no, no matter what, the LEC fourth seed was going to be better than the LCS fourth seed, because I just thought that from the LCS perspective, there wasn't any other good teams outside of Cloud9 and Golden Guardians. Now, I'll reiterate, this was before the playoffs happened, and then, you know, we sort of saw the rise of NRG, and Team Liquid seemed to sort of, you know, figure out things a little bit. So I do think that the middle of the pack teams in the LCS did improve towards the end of the summer split and over the course of playoffs. Um, but at the same time, I think the middle of the pack of the LEC continues to remain pretty good. You know, we do know what the four teams for that are going to be attending the, or I guess the three plus one teams that are going to be attending the world championship for the LEC. And that's G2 Mad Lions, 
uh, Fnatic and BDS. And I think you stack those up against the four other teams from the LCS. And I still think I give the edge to the LEC. But in terms of this matchup specifically, you see the version that we saw of Golden Guardians in the last two playoff series. And I think that they are probably not favored against, you know, what we look at BDS right now. However, it's definitely hard to ignore the rest of the summer split from a team like Golden Guardians. Also, their improvements at the end of spring and their strong performances at MSI. So I'm going with the whole picture here. I do think that Golden Guardians should be viewed as the favorite, but there's a long time from what we've just seen now from both BDS and Golden Guardians. And we still got almost more than a month to go until this match actually happens. And it doesn't feel obvious who the favorite is. And I think that's actually such a good thing because I think, and I'm ha- admittedly, I'm having a hard time remembering all of our fourth seeds in the past, but I think generally, if this was three, four, five years ago, fourth seed NA going up against fourth seed EU, we're probably going to lose that for sure um, in a lot of those cases. And even, I would even compare just to last year where I think it was, it was Mad Lions, right? For Europe? Because they got knocked out. Was it Mad Lions, fourth seed that got knocked out in play-ins? Can't say for sure. It was either Mad Lions or Fnatic because both two EU teams were in the play-in stage. I don't remember I, which I, was three and which one was four. Regardless, and TL, who was would have been our fourth seed last year. Like I feel like the two that we got going up this year, obviously this matchup didn't exist last year. It was There was no fourth seed versus fourth seed. But I think both of the fourth seeds this year are in general better than last year is my um, my initial take on it. Um, so I think that's a good thing. Well, I don't think that's wrong. I do think that, you know, the idea that Golden Guardians is better than what they showed definitely plays a factor in the overall perception of these two teams. Because, you know, like I just said, if I'm looking at the whole picture of, you know, summer split plus playoffs, I view Golden Guardians much higher than what they actually showed in those last two playoff series. So yeah. if I'm going with the here and now. I would probably say it's BDS favored, but you know, if I want to take a step back, look at the whole picture, you know, it's definitely Golden Guardians favorite. But like I said, it's a month and a half, almost a month and a half away. The other thing that everyone needs to take into consideration is that this is going to be on a wildly different patch. LCS yeah. finals was on patch 13.14. LEC season finals is getting played on 13.15. And while those patches aren't necessarily different, um, because for the most part, the patch is relatively the same. 1315 is basically just a more refined version of 1314 where there's slight Kaisa nerfs, there's slight Aatrox nerfs, there's slight Ivern nerfs, there's slight Maokai nerfs, but overall, the meta is pretty much exactly the same. There are obviously some regional differences that we see in the metas, but we're probably going to have a very different meta coming into the World Championship, so I think that this next month of which team can probably figure out the meta and get the best grasp on is probably who's going to end up taking the spot because there really isn't any, you know, there's no warm up games. It's you play one best of five and that's it. You either make it or you don't make it. So I just think it's really going to be a testament to which team can prepare better, identify what the meta is going to look like. And then from there be able to deviate in terms of, well, what can counter the meta and then what's, you know, what what's the tier two you know options below the obvious tier one you know meta picks yeah i um i have a couple of small concerns about the series and then one where like i think golden guardians has the edge the one thing that stood out to me when watching yesterday's uh yesterday's series uh that being the bds fanatic one is the olaf top which adam has played many times before and the reason why that concerns me a little bit 
is because Licorice plays a lot of Cassante, Jax, Rumble, and Renekton. Now, I'd be lying if I said I played uh, Olaf top. I can't even remember if I've ever played Olaf top. But I get the feeling that that's a pretty good matchup and do almost all of those picks. Maybe not Rumble with how OP Rumble is right now, but still a generally pretty good pick. So I think that's something that Golden Guardians might need to concern themselves with is that he's always got that pocket pick. Mind you, he's also got like the Darius one and he plays a bunch of stuff. Um, that was one concern that I had. Um, the other concern is that like you mentioned Golden Guardians didn't look that great as of like the last couple of weeks that we saw them play. And to me, a big part of that was River and Gory not looking like their regular split self where like they were uh, the, the best mid jungle in the league. A lot of people were saying uh, us included. Um, and that that's where they really fell off to me for them to beat BDS. Those two need to show up and they can't falter like they did in playoffs. So those are my two concerns mainly is the mid jungle aspect. And then the top lane matchup, you, you have to ban Olaf. I think, do you have, do you have anything to add to any of that? I'm a hundred percent with you on the top lane situation. I think Adam is definitely the favorite in that matchup. And I think a lot of it does have to do with, you know, what the two, the, the two style of top lanes that these teams play. Like Grish is very meta oriented and he will strictly play the meta. Um, whereas Adam is kind of the opposite. He loves to play the creative counter picks into the meta top laners and more often than not has success on those top laners, which is, you know, like stuff like the set, the Darius, the Olaf and things like that. So I definitely think the the creativity will definitely rest on the side of BDS um, because for the most part, Golden Guardians is very stock standard. Well, and I don't want to sell Licorice short because I said on this podcast, I thought he was the best player in playoffs. So, like, it's not like Licorice is just screwed here. I'm sure that he has uh, an answer into Olaf or they will ban it. Like, I don't think he will come completely unprepared. However, it is a little bit of a worry where, to me, the best player on Golden Guardians is going up against a guy that has a, a counter to his most played champions. That's, that was one of my concerns. Um, the one area where I actually feel pretty good about Golden Golden Guardians is I think their early game macro is really good, especially the way they use their bot lane. So um, I was listening to the LEC analyst desk yesterday, and they were talking a, a lot about how Crownie plays um, a lot of Zeri and how like I think he just tries to like hang out and scale. And I think that the Golden Guardians bot lane is really good into a matchup where they're just going to try to vibe and scale. Um, what they will do often is if they're winning lane, they will be able to set up a wave really well for the dive. They you, they work with River really well. But another thing that they do is if they are losing the lane, they find a really good time to shove a wave back and go top and make a play top and dive top lane and get Rift Herald and they snowball that way. They've done it many, many times. So I have a lot of faith in Golden Guardian's bot lane um, that if things are going their way, they can capitalize it. And even if things are not going their way, there's their early game macro is really good at rotating and making sure they get an advantage somewhere else on the map. Um, and that I don't think you get too punished by um, by Zeri in the early game. Although we do know that Zeri can become quite the monster late game. Yeah, I don't really know what uh, like I like. I think I said this earlier. The meta is going to be wildly different, so I have no idea if even us discussing these matchups will even end up being relevant. Because you know, maybe we can just briefly touch on the G two Mad Lions series that we saw today. But I felt like that series was wildly different. To what yeah, we saw you're, you're right. For the, the meta most can part. shift like, a lot. And you're, especially you're just because right. EU does seem to have prioritizations uh, differently than North America. You know, you talk about the Rumble, for example. Rumble does not exist, basically, in the LEC. I think there's one Rumble game 
in all of LEC season finals so far. Over the course of four best of fives, there's been one Rumble game. Is Whereas it not L- getting banned? No, it's not. People don't care about it. Whereas in LCS, it seems to be a... so OP. <laughs> I think it's a strong early game pick. I, I don't, I still, I don't, I would never call I don't call it OP. You're a little bit colder on the Rumble pick than I am. Okay. Um... I just think yeah, that I, I just think that the... it's good in NA because NA they always love to default, you know, utility tank top laners. That that is just always what they do. So whenever you have these kinds of champions that can be abusive in the early game, more often than not, NA top laners are not going to pick something aggressive into it. Whereas I think in the LEC and Adam specifically, that can get heavily punished. I feel like don't quote me on this, but I feel like North America is not the only region playing Rumble. But I guess it has been quite some time since I've looked at. I was How just purely looking at NA versus EU. There's yeah. there's one yeah. Rumble game in EU, and I'm double-checking the ban list. Uh, there's like seven bans, whereas like in LCS, it's it's nearing... The presence is way closer to 100% than it is to 0%. That's one, of the, uh, that's one of the good things that we get with international play, right? You get metas that clash together, and you see a bunch of, bunch of fun stuff. Rumble, that's something that needs to... In the LCS playoffs, Rumble was the most banned champion, tied with LeBlanc. Yeah. And it was the fourth most picked top laner. Whereas in the LEC, like I said, only one Rumble game in comparison to like 15 Renekton, 6 Cassante with minimal bans. Very interesting. Very interesting. Um, we can touch briefly on the G2 Mad thing if you want. Um, I think that that series was kind of insane. I, I walked, okay, watched game one and I was like, holy shit, G2 is going to World's Finals again. Like, this team looks insane with some of the outplay, like, Broken Blade, holy shit, man. And then game two, they just sprinted it, and I was like, oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> yeah, it was... The Fiddlesticks came out, and then LS, you know, wet himself, I think. And then... Dude, that game had nothing to do with Fiddlesticks. Like, they got clapped, but it was not Fiddlesticks' fault. I don't even remember what the hell happened. I just remember coping so hard. I was like, it's not Fiddlesticks' fault. Because, of course, I would say that. But it wasn't. Uh, G2, G2 still looks really, really good. They're going to be the number one seed from Europe. But I guess yeah. everyone said the same for Cloud9 up until they got upset in the finals by NRG. But despite that, I still think G2 is going to get the number one seed and they're the clear I think, favorite. I think everyone's in agreement there. I mean, we'll have to wait and see because, yeah, we, we did all think C9 was going to win. So, yeah, you never know. Um, uh, I do want to talk about the the scheduling thing because there was a Reddit post today about the times and dates of this Golden Guardians BDS series, and apparently it's going to be played at midnight Eastern time, uh, 9 p.m. on the West Coast, and then 6 a.m. in Berlin. So the times, let's just say, they're not very friendly to, well, almost anywhere of the people that seriously want to watch this series. Right? It's not very friendly to Europe or North America. So a lot of people are questioning, like, what is the reason for those times? Also, did it absolutely have to be on a Sunday slash Monday? Like, could it not have been, uh, on, you know, on a Saturday, for example? There, there's like a month now. The, the series still does not happen for another, it's like October 9th or something. It's more than a month away from the series. Is there not any time in between then that the series could have been played or, or anything like that to either change the time, change the day, anything like that? And I got to be honest. I think people that are complaining about the schedule are kind of right. I, I This is like a perfect opportunity to get an NAEU best of five series, and the times are just terrible for people to watch this thing. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't really have too much of a problem with it. I think that, if anything, the thing that they got wrong was having it be the day before Worlds. I think in a perfect world, the LEC and the LCS are on the same season format across the entire year so that the playoffs line up correctly, the finals line up correctly, and then this series could be something that happens a couple weeks after you know the finals, not almost two months after the LCS has now concluded their playoffs. But in terms of the scheduling, you know, they're going to be in Korea, obviously. So, and it's the day that the match is getting played the day before the world's playing stage starts. So obviously that was, at least in my opinion, seemed to be the only time that they could run it because the way that they have the playing stage formatted, they need the premier matches to happen on the weekend, which is going to be the best of threes and best of fives, which qualify people from playing to the main stage. So it just it seems like a bit of a byproduct of wanting to have the wanting to have the optimal times for the world play-in stage be on the presumably Friday, Saturday, Sunday of that week. And sure, but could you not just have the best of five happen like a week earlier, or or even you know like I, that? That's what I don't understand. I, maybe there is a perfectly good reason. I just don't see what it is as to why it needs to be the day before play-ins happens. That, I mean, that's uh, what I'm a little bit. If I had to guess, it's probably. They don't want to have to use the whole resource. You know, it, the timing lines up. They get to use Lull Park in that span of when planes is happening. Whereas yeah. if you had it a week prior, then you'd have to, you know, basically host a whole different thing. My guess is if they run back this same sort of thing next year, regardless of where Worlds is and all that stuff, I don't think they're going to make a scheduling issue, uh, a mistake like this again. I, I feel like, and again, it's easy for us to say because I'm not part of the decision making. There could be very good reasons for all of it. I think they're probably going to fix this uh, next year. Maybe they even fix it this year. Maybe they're like, hey, you know what? There is another time slot that we could do this. We still have a month. It's still a month out. Maybe we can switch something up and maybe they do fix it. It just doesn't seem like that's happening at the moment. It, it is important to note that obviously when the last chance qualification sort of tournament was initially announced. They did specifically say that the first year, which is going to be this year, only NA and EU fourth seeds are included, but in the future, there's going to be other regions and other teams that also get included. So it'll probably turn into like a little bit of a miniature play in like sort of bracket stage thing that goes on. So I think in that case, then you probably schedule it at a, a different time. That's not just the day before the playing stage. But I think that, I, I just think that it's an unfortunate byproduct of the play-in stage that this series has to happen on this day. I just yeah. don't think it would make sense for it to be any time else. Okay. Uh, anything else on this series? It's going to be exciting. It's gonna be probably going to be for bragging rights up until NA and EU then play each other in the actual you know, world stage. Yeah, I, I guess I should also make it clear. And yes, of course, there is. We are coming from a biased side of things. I am an LCS fan. I can acknowledge that. But I I'm do not, need to just put, to preface it. I do need to put. Yeah, XD. I need to put on the record here that um, I do actually give the edge to Golden Guardians. I'm much like you, whereas I'm looking at the whole of Summer Split and not looking at the smaller sample size of playoffs. Even though obviously playoffs is more uh, heavily weighted as to you know, how good a team is, I do think that we can see Golden Guardians recover, especially with the amount of time that they have to recover. So I'm expecting to see a better version of them, and I'll give them, like, the 55-45 percentage. I'll give them the, the slight 10 percent edge there. 
before we move on, I want to remind people to subscribe, hit the subscribe button, leave a comment, hit the like button. All that stuff is tremendously helpful. It has been tremendously helpful and it continues to let YouTube know, hey, uh, we want you to recommend this content to other people. Um, and you guys that have been doing that, big time shout out. And uh, for people that are new to the, uh, to the show, we are on a bunch of different platforms. Just look for the Clown Fiesta podcast on, well, pretty much any podcast platform that you could find. There's a good chance you're going to be able to find it. We are on all the main ones like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, blah, blah, blah. So look for us there and you'll find us. Uh, where are we going next? We got to talk about the Nicole interview. Well, just more than the interview, the fact that she is stepping down as CEO of Evil Geniuses of, as of, you know, I think it's in effect two weeks from whenever the news came out. Yeah. Um, the article, which I guess we should point out that it, this is from Alexander Lee from Digiday, did uh, an interview um, with her and made an article about it. Um, the article says that her stepping down, let me get the quote here. Uh, it was certainly not a factor. Um, the whole controversy, the Danny controversy about her stepping down. She said it was certainly not a factor. Um, and then she said, uh, myself or EG have not received any actual complaints from Danny or his family around this. Danny even posted on Twitter himself that he did not feel mistreated and had a good experience. So I know that's been a divide. I know people want an apology, but as of now, I have nothing to apologize for. What is your initial take when you hear that JMT? Um, well, obviously it's a very PR type answer when she says, as of right now, I have nothing to apologize for because her saying that just gives her the opportunity and the chance to apologize for potential things in the future. There'd be a big difference if she just said, I have absolutely nothing to apologize for. Like, well, I have nothing to apologize for until it becomes public knowledge. That's basically what it says. I don't think this is a PR answer. I think straight up saying I have nothing to apologize for is not what, like usually PR answer means like, what do people want to hear? I don't think people want to hear that. With that said, there is a, a world where she is correct and where she hasn't done anything wrong. Now, mind you, a lot of people I understand, and rightfully so, will be very upset hearing her say that. There's still an ongoing investigation to see where all this came from, where I don't know if I'm, where she says I have nothing to apologize for. Look, you were still the head of EG when something went down that seriously hurt one of your players. Somebody within the organization should be responsible. Seeing as you're at the top, I don't know about not uh, not needing to apologize. That seems a little bit like, I don't know, man. I'm going to be really, really interested to see what comes of the investigation whenever that is completed. That's that's one thing I'll say. I mean, considering the results of the TSM investigation, I highly doubt that any relevant information will get revealed at the conclusion of this EG investigation. You think so? I think I mean, they're just separate investigations, though. Like, I don't think one should um, influence the other. Well, I'm just thinking about, like, what were the results that we got back from the, T the various TSM investigations? Well, clearly they admitted that Reggie was in the wrong. Otherwise, they wouldn't have put him on probation. But that's like, it. Clearly, that's... Reggie is at fault. Well, that's it. That's all I'm saying. Like, that's not really a whole lot. And I think you look at this EG situation, and I mean... Just thinking, based off of history, it's unlikely that there's going to be a resolution for this sort of thing. It seems to me that this is something that is seeming to be kept under wraps 
quite a lot. And whether that's because there was actual malicious intent and malicious things going on behind the scenes, I think personally that that's unlikely. I think that this is just a situation that EG as a whole probably just wants to put to bed for good. Because unfortunately, and it, it just will always be something that people will bring up in order to badmouth EG because EG doesn't really do themselves a whole lot of favors when it comes to trying to look good in the public eye. When your CEO who has made some mistakes comes out and says, well, I don't have anything to apologize for for right now. And then obviously, and just as a little add on, just because I thought it was a little bit relevant to this, EG, their YouTube channel, they released some video where they literally plagiarized the LEC pop quiz video from a couple weeks ago. where They're talking about champion abilities and whatnot. And I, I say that, to point out the fact that EG doesn't help themselves in terms of trying to win back uh, public perception because they have been a lightning rod of hate for the LCS for the past year now. And if I'm not mistaken, wasn't there also something with their Counter-Strike team as well? My memory is not very good on this. I thought I remember hearing something to do with their CS team. Is that, am I making that up? Maybe I'm thinking of a different team? I'm not sure. You're not sure? Okay, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe somebody in the comments section could help us out there. Maybe there's something uh, obvious that we're forgetting. I thought that there was a Counter-Strike um, controversy. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Honestly, like, I, I guess when I look at the different, I, I went thinking back to the TSM investigation, I just think they're completely separate. And as much as maybe EG would like to get away from this, I don't think that necessarily means Riot is going to be okay with them getting away with it. Now, I know there's a bunch of people that are going to say, what, Riot, they'll just sweep it under the rug as well. Not, not necessarily. It depends on, it depends on a lot of things. It depends on whether they're able to find some, somebody clearly at fault. And it, it also depends on what that fault is, right? Um, because we don't know exactly who was all involved with putting Danny in this situation. I know there's been rumors. There's been articles written and stuff about rumors about who's at fault, but not necessarily anything that is in a, an article is necessarily absolute fact. I think that an investigation gives you a much clearer picture as to what would happen, but that's just me. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm naive. I was just more speaking from the opinion that a lot of, uh, I guess if we want to call it drama, a lot of drama that seems to surround the LCS and Riot games, we never really, the public never really gets to see that information. Or normally, for the most part, the community is left in the dark to these various scandals that go on. We know about them, we know that they exist, but for the most part, everybody knows very little about what actually goes on behind the scenes. And I expect that to say the same with this situation, especially because it relates to one of the teams that's currently in LCS and, you know, involves a player who's pretty popular. Yeah. And currently in the LCS, but maybe not for long. Another, exactly. really, another really interesting part of the article uh, was what were they asking? This was on whether Evil Geniuses is looking to sell its League of Legends Championship Series franchise. Uh, Nicole said, everything's for sale for the right price. This is a space that needs to think differently around structure. I'll use 100 Thieves as a great example. They have diversified their revenue by building uh, and buying components that are market, blah, 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 blah. I, I don't even need to read the rest. The point is they're saying that everything's for sale at the right price. And that, admittedly, it's speculation, but it got me thinking like, 
I don't know if you would answer that way if you weren't considering selling. Like, obviously, that's true. Like, okay, it's true for any team, obviously. Let's say for some stupid reason, some billionaire came along and offered to buy Cloud9 for a billion dollars. Cloud9 Jack is going to be like, yeah. So obviously true that at some point, every team has their price. But if you ask Jack, is there any chance of you selling your League of Legends spot? I don't think he'd be like, well, everyone has their price. I think he'd be like, no. Well, there's a big difference between knowing that because every I think that's a pretty common sentiment. Anything is almost available for the right price. But the fact that yeah. she said it publicly exactly definitely hints towards that EG is probably in the market of looking to sell their spot, whether that be in between, you know, 2023, 2024 or in between 2024, 2025. And again, I know I've said it, but I'm going to say it again. Of course, it is speculation. But you also look at how they just randomly in the middle of the season go full budget mode as well. Like that's that's another, um, I don't know if red flag is the right term, but that's something else that might hint that, hey, we don't want to be spending money on this anymore. So maybe it's we definitely a red flag. Out. Yeah, it's like it, maybe if we don't want to spend on our LCS team anymore, maybe we actually kind of want to get it when we get the chance. Oh, it, it's I mean, you just look at all the other teams that have gone quote-unquote budget mode in the LCS, and all of those teams are ones that are rumored to be in the market for selling their spot, those three being Evil Geniuses, TSM, and Immortals. No, su no surprise at all that Immortals has been rolling out budget rosters pretty much since Season 10, basically. Um, I don't know, maybe Season... I don't know. Season 11, they had Power of Evil, so maybe you can count that as not budget because he was probably not a player that you'd be signing for a minimum, but... TSM obviously went budget mode and EG followed suit not too long ago. The only difference is TSM straight up said, yeah, we want out. <laughs> oh, and that was, they and this is, and this might that. be, and this might be EG's big indication that they want out. Yeah. It's just with TSM, they were way more clear about it, which by the way, that's still not even for sure yet. Right. With TSM, I still don't understand why they would announce that before. Like, we heard rumors even last year that TSM wanted out. And then straight up, I think it was Reggie that was like, yeah, we're leaving? My memory's fuzzy. I don't this. think he ever said, we are leaving, I think. I remember they, I remember there was a quote that they were, like, divesting from esports operations. They didn't explicitly say that they were leaving the LCS. I think they were I heavily indicating the that they were going to do that, but I don't think he outright said it. I can't remember exactly what the tweet was, but his tweet was far more than just anything normal. It was like really suggesting that they're leaving. And that's why everyone started calling TS. This is TSM's last split, right? Not everyone was saying, Hey, this is EG's last split, but everyone's saying, Hey, this is TSM's last split. So there is obviously a difference there. Mm -hmm. uh, anything else on this JNT? Um, I don't know. Hard to say. Um, I still think and hope that EG is going to be in the LCS because despite them being quite hated i still think competitively they've been a really good org ever since rejoining the lcs in season 10 they've i'm pretty sure they've made every single playoffs since they've come back into the lcs and for the most part has been a very competitive team and organization and that's something that we are running out of in the lcs right now is competitive organizations and competitive teams so i think losing them would actually be a lot worse than losing atsm more and immortals in my opinion yeah I'm not in such a rush to get rid of Evil Geniuses either. I know there's a lot of people that hate the org, but to me, like, okay, clearly there should be someone that is responsible for what happened with the Danny situation, whether that's one person or five people, I don't know. But for me, that is not on the whole organization. As long as the people that are responsible for what went down, as long as they are gone, I am far more, I'm more than okay than 
with evil geniuses sticking around in the LCS. Uh, that's that's not the issue whatsoever. It's the whoever's responsible. And again, that's where we need to wait for the investigation to come out. And hopefully we learn from that. But as you mentioned, it's not like we always get the answers that we're looking for when it comes to controversies. We're not all a lot of times we are kept in the dark. Mm hmm. There's another there's another controversy we'll get to a little bit later that still nobody knows a damn thing about. Yeah. Uh, what are we going with next, Jinter? Um, well, I figure we'll move on to the interview that Travis Scafford had with, um, uh, oh, their names are escaping me now, Raul Fernandez and Carlos, I forget his last name, but his handle is Cacao or Caco. Kako? I think it's Kako. I, I, I just know. realized I said Kakao and that it was like a former jungler. I don't know why that popped yeah. in my mind, but yeah, Kako. Yeah, Travis had a really good interview with those guys. And I don't even think really good in necessarily like a optimistic way, but like asked a lot of good questions. I just think the answers weren't exactly the greatest. Some of them were okay, um, but some of them got me a little bit worried. How did you feel after watching the interview? Did you feel like this is like the LCS is in the right direction, wrong direction, or eh, nothing really changed in your mind? I mean, the only thing, the only thing that I learned from it is that Riot is never going to change the fact that they cannot admit their own mistakes. Um, it's a problem that everybody has identified uh, with Riot, and it's I feel like it's kind of just an unwritten rule at this point that Riot almost never goes back on things that they've already done once they sort of stick to a change they they for the most part always stick to that and never backtrack the only thing that i think riot has ever backtracked actually actually I should, I should, that's incorrect two things that i think riot has ever backtracked on one was the all chat changes that were potentially going to go into effect a couple was that a year ago a month ago that was one thing that they backtracked. And then the other thing that they backtracked was the LeBlanc and Rengar reworks in like season seven. <laughs> Apart from those two instances, I cannot think of a single thing that Riot has ever backtracked on when they've implemented a change that is completely flopped on its face. And we're like, oh, no, everything's fine. We'll just change it again. You forgot uh, Chemtech drag. They just took it out of the game after it was Nightmare. Remember Chemtech Soul? Yeah, I guess that's true. But everyone responded with Scion. I mean, this is okay, but we're that's talking a, more about esports. We're talking more about the esports side. Oh, of well, I was everything. Game, so. That's that's three things then. No, I, I, I realize I realize you were. I'm saying like we should focus more on the esports side of things because that's what this interview was about. Um, when you say Riot's unwilling to admit their mistakes, the obvious one that came to mind was when Travis asked about their thoughts on weekdays versus weekends. And I don't even remember exactly what their answer was, but it was mostly like, yeah, we're still not ready to commit to a specific day. Um, yeah, we know the numbers aren't where, really where we want them to be, but that could also be because we had a very different split because it was condensed. And it was like, can you just, for the love of God, can you say, yeah, you know what? Weekday viewership was bad and it was far lower than we thought it was going to be. They just can't admit it. Because they have no plan to go back on it. Well, they're in a. The problem is. is weekends now, well, which we knew we saw this coming from a mile away. That's the problem is they're in a lose lose situation because they can't go back because Valorant is now um, the prioritization of Riot when it comes to the North American esports scene, and that's no secret. Um, so they can't revert the changes. So the only other option is to admit that they made a mistake, and they're not going to do that. So. They're they're just honestly in a lose lose situation when it comes to discussing the topic of 
changing the date. They, they no matter what they do, they're going to lose. So it's not surprising to hear them not admit that the changes uh, were a mistake. My main problem is the quote unquote data that they continue to reference in almost every single interview to suggest that these changes that they made were a good thing. They were referenced the, the, the data. What is this data, man? Was referenced in this interview. It was referenced in an interview with John Needham and Naz, and it was referenced in a solo John Needham interview that Travis did with him. I think it was at like Worlds 2022. Maybe it was at MSI 2023. Can't exactly remember, but they've used this data. Uh, I don't even know what you call it. I don't even want to call it a metric because, like, I mean, it is a metric technically, but it just feels just like this mysterious data. All, all signs point towards that what they're doing is a good thing. And I really just can't understand it until they ever release said data. It'll always continue won't. to look like a mistake. And one of the problems, and I think one of the problems, I was just about to say one of the problems that I have, but I think one of the problems that the whole community seems to have is the ideologies that they have surrounding overlapping regions and overlapping uh, scheduling. Because one of the primary uh, reasonings that riot did for moving the lcs off of the weekends to the weekdays is due to the large overlap in viewership between the lcs and the lec and i would say that it's not surprising to hear that when both leagues were getting played on the weekends that there was a lot of overlap but i think the more important question is you know how that overlap has now changed because i think part of the reason why that there was such a big overlap is because as an LCS fan, I would watch the last couple games of LEC before LCS started, specifically because LEC always saved their best game for last on every single broadcast day. So you would you would end the LEC broadcasting with the most hype game of the week, usually, or the most hype game of the day. And then you would run that directly into LCS for the most part, whose schedule was always very front heavy with the three best matches always happening in the first three of the five matches, because traditionally... The last two matches in the LCS scheduling have always been uh, bad teams, and, and that's no secret. They slightly changed that for this summer split, but they quickly reverted back to that even towards the end of the summer split. I thought the scheduling was wildly different from the first three weeks to the last three weeks of the LCS summer split. And it's not surprising at all to see that that overlap doesn't exist anymore when the uh, when the regions are getting played on different days. I have not been watching any LEC, you know, this split I shouldn't say any because I saw I still watch it a little bit, but I've watched so little LEC in comparison over the last year in comparison to previous years. And I think all of that has to do with the fact that these games are being played on different days. And I we want to talk about this mysterious data. I think just a guess by myself here, I think a lot of that data has been pretty misleading in terms of the the decisions and the changes that Riot has made. Yeah. I agree. I think I think they look at the overlapping as a negative, right? Like because they've said we mm -hmm. don't want people to have to choose between LEC and LCS, but I think the point that you're making is the overlapping is a good thing. Yes, people don't tune into LCS as quickly, but guess what? As soon as G2 and Fnatic is over, that's when people might go over to the LCS. And like that was a good transition. Hey, I'm watching League of Legends and this uh, League of Legends product ended, but guess what? There's another one happening as well. And I think I think they should absolutely uh, consider how much of their viewership is no longer watching the other league um, because of being on different days. I think that's the point that that you're trying to make, and I think you're absolutely right. Um, 
you also mentioned uh john needham and naz we should also mention that like this was supposed to be an interview with either one or both of them as well and so the guys that filled in yeah they're kind of getting shit for what we're talking about here but this was not supposed to be their interview and so i guess maybe a little bit of a shout out for them for having the guts to do what is an interview that's obviously not going to be easy answers, um, but they did it anyway. So shout out to them for that. Um, and apparently Naz or John or both again, one of the, I don't know, maybe both of them uh, will do an interview with Travis again. So maybe we get answers around worlds or sometime in the near future. I hope so. But anyways, just big shout out answers. to the two guys. That, don't yeah. think we'll be getting any of those. XD. Okay. F fair enough. But anyways, shout out to the guys that are taking the bullets here. Yeah, um, for sure. So there was a couple of other questions that had me concerned and had me a little bit pessimistic about the LCS. The one was, um, what should viewership look like for North America? And I don't even, the number is irrelevant. I don't even know if they said a number, like, oh, we need this many. But the answer um, was like, well, most of LCK viewership comes from outside of Korea. We're aspiring to do the same for the LCS. And it's like, okay, time out. Because... You cannot compare the LCS viewership to the LCK viewership. Do you know why the LCK viewership has a bunch of viewers from outside of the LCK? Because that's the best fucking region in the world. So the best players in the world, like, duh. LPL fans are pissed at you right now. Okay, sure. LPL is also really good, but let's talk about the team, the region that has won worlds the most. It's the LCK, right? That's where the, the, the GOAT is there. There's no, there's no um, discussion there. People want to watch Faker. Like, it, you're comparing the LCS and saying we expect people outside of North America to watch the LCS the same way we expect people to watch LCK outside of Korea is just not the same. And I think they know that, or at least I hope they know that. Because when I heard that, I was like, that is, that is not a good answer. Like, it's just not going to happen. Again, maybe Europe will watch the LCS and the LCS will watch Europe, but like people will not flock to those regions until they start winning world championships, which to me, I don't think is anytime soon. It, I mean, once again, this is kind of some speculation and some guesswork, but all of their answers indicated that they don't prioritize and or believe in the North American viewership and its potential and or it's um, important, you know, to hear the first thing out of their mouths be, we want the LCS to be viewed by regions outside of North America, and pretty much never once even talked about the actual North American viewers. It was more just about, well, we want to, we want the LCS to be viewed by other regions, and part of the reason why we're doing that is we're putting it on the weekdays so it doesn't overlap with the LEC and whatnot. And I think the problem is, is you know they didn't have, they didn't necessarily admit it but it seems like they don't really care about the north american viewers because like you pretty much just outlined with the competitiveness of the region there is no reason for other regions to watch the lcs unless you are invested in a specific player team or organization there is literally no reason to because if your goal is to watch good league of legends you would go to the lck lpl and lec before you would go to the lcs so the, I guess just the, to, the, to quickly go back to the thing ahead. about how we don't get a whole lot of answers from these things. And I, I think this is a very prime example because it felt like, you know, if you read in between the lines a little bit, they don't care about NA viewership, but they just didn't have the balls to go out and say it, in my opinion. 
So I, I think they talk as if they care about the LCS. And maybe I even believe them. Maybe I do think they care about LCS and LCS viewers. It's just that their actions don't suggest that by putting it in the middle of the week where obviously people are still at work in North America, right? That That's the issue that um, a lot of people have pointed I don't, out. I don't, I don't even think that their answers or their words suggest that they care about the LCS. I just think that they're using all of these various metrics and data quote unquote to justify their decisions that they've been making it, it feels we'll like have it, to disagree because i think they do say a lot that they care about lcs viewers i think they do i feel like i've heard them say that you know but but okay so maybe maybe this is a little bit where the disconnect from you and me came from but i think they care about lcs viewers they don't care about north american viewers i mm. think that that was my point that I was saying is they don't, they don't care about North American viewers. They care about LCS viewers. They just don't care about North American viewers. That it there there's not the distinction of North American viewer versus LCS viewer doesn't seem relevant to them. They just want the viewers, but the problem is, is you're not even prioritizing the viewers that is the primary consumer of your region. Yeah. Um the other thing that really stood out to me that gave me a little bit more of a pessimi pessimistic uh mind around the lcs was when he brought anything up the positive idea. you've said pessimistic about three times now and yeah well positive? i was going through my negative things first oh, okay. I, that's bad news was, first said, then the good news i got you there was three things this is the third one was the talk about the commissioner and like saying like hey you guys have been looking for a commissioner for a long time a lot of the decisions that get made for the LCS and for LOL Esports in general get made around this time for the following year. Like the discussions are probably happening right now and you don't have a commissioner yet. And that was like, to me, it was like, yeah, they're still looking for someone. That is another sign that- Chris like, Greeley was at the finals. He was there. Yeah, he was there. Yeah, we saw him. He hasn't been the commissioner for a while. Maybe he's just like, still the secret commissioner or something. Yeah undercover commissioner like you know how they do undercover boss at like stuff yeah yeah he was just there oh i'm just a fan <laughs> they need to find a fucking commissioner man and, yeah. and that that's one of the reasons why i keep saying the word pessimistic is you've got really big decisions being made about your league and there's no like head of the league to be talking or being involved in discussions around that i think that it is, is well i was just gonna say i think it is important just to note that is Carlos guy, uh, Kako, who is, he's the newly minted head of League of Legends for the Americas. Americas, so yes. he's, uh, once again, they didn't say this. Well, actually, sorry, they did say that, that one of Carlos or Kako's primary roles is to find the next commissioner, but they didn't say it, but it feels like he's sort of the interim commissioner for the time being. Right. And, and that's fine. You obviously would have an interim commissioner. However, he is in charge of multiple leagues at this point in time. Don't you think it would be nice if there was one person that their sole goal for was sure. to be the advocate for the LCS, the league that is losing viewership and where the decisions being made around this league are questionable, to put it lightly? Where, please, can we have one person where their goal is to look out for the best interest of the LCS? That's what we want. And that's why I keep throwing the word pessimistic around because, like, come on, man. The fact that they can't find someone worries me. Like I, I, it's possible that they're grinding every day to find someone, but they don't find they can't find someone that they can trust to take the reins here. Uh oh. Well, okay. Any good things? Um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well. When Travis asked them about immortals, <laughs> they couldn't answer. 
but if they were planning on keeping immortals or if they were happy with immortals not doing anything i think they would have said like hey we're happy with immortals the fact that they're like we can't say anything about our discussions with immortals makes me feel there's a chance so that's why we're good it's like or optimistic it's like i don't know if optimistic is the right word but there's a chance that they're like yeah we got to get rid of this fucking team like whoever we can find has to be better than immortals and yeah you know Tra I'm travis not, i'm not optimistic i'm hopeful for that yeah uh this was at the beginning of the interview for people who are interested to go listen to it i, I do suggest that if people are interested in this type of stuff they do go listen to it because it, yeah, for it the most great. part was a good interview travis was asking some very good questions that you know they kind of were dancing around a little bit with which isn't surprising considering the the line of questioning and whatnot. You're not going to openly shit on your own region and league, you know, or admit your own faults when the company doesn't do that. But I just, one thing I just wanted to quickly touch on, on the Immortals point you were mentioning was Travis was talking a lot or sorry, asking them a lot of questions about the, the aspects outside of pure competitive gameplay when it comes to Immortals, because it's... It's important to note that they have very, 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 yes, I just used about five or six varies, minimal social media and online presence. Their tweets get no interactions. Their YouTube videos get no viewers. Our podcast, literally two nobodies, gets more viewers than the Immortals' main YouTube channel. That's not, the, that's not to say that, oh, yeah, we're sick or everything. It's like a team that has been involved in the LCS for almost, well, go back season six, then they left for a little bit when they were like optic for a little bit. A team that's been involved in the LCS for almost seven years now gets no interaction on social media. Yeah. And so that is not a flex for us. That is definitely just a shade to them. And to be honest, they, they had no answers for pretty much everything outside of the competitive gameplay when it came to Immortals. Cause I think if they were probably speaking honestly and truthfully, they probably would say that, yeah, Immortals is kind of a piece of shit. They don't do anything. <laughs> But, but we don't expect them to say that, though. But right? the, answers, no the answer that they did say, which I can quote this because I did write it down. Um, I forget who said this. I didn't write that down. But it said, Immortals currently meets LCS competitive standards. Keyword, currently. And I think we go back to the EG Nicole interview we just talked about. She said, as it stands, I got nothing to apologize for. Currently, Immortals is doing the right things. But <laughs> that's probably not going to be the case in 2024 no one's buying that they are not currently doing the right things or whatever the hell you just said they are not yeah meeting, that is obvious yeah meeting lcs competitive standards and pretty much the way that i took that is they field and they field a roster of five people every week and they have a head coach and they pay those people but that's about it they do the bare the, minimum that's what i heard the one other thing where i might be able to feel a little bit good about it, and again this, this is optimistic that word is doing some heavy fucking lifting if we say that um but travis asked them about reaching out to organizations like moist moguls for example um and obviously toast uh, to try to get them to come into the league as a partner it sounds like they're considering it mostly a non-answer but again i don't expect them to be like yep done deal you know like that's not exactly fair so i it 
you got to have expectations of what they can actually say. And I don't expect them to be able to say that one way or another just yet. But it does sound like they're considering it. They clearly showcased uh, Disguised Host because he was there at finals. They had him during the press conference. Like, it is we still our living world where it is possible that Toast has an LCS team next year if he has a, an investor with him. Or maybe somehow he has way more money than I think he does and he goes in alone. It's possible. I'll reiterate Likely, my prediction. I don't know. I'll reiterate my prediction that I said that DSG will be in LCS in 2024. I don't think that'll happen. Right. I I don't I think it's less likely than likely, but I do think it's possible. And my God, I can't even tell you how much I hope you're right. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, Nixian in the live chat saying, "Didn't Mr. Beast also want in?" He did at one point. I I don't know when the last time is that we heard that he's still interested. Um, yeah, that I, doesn't mean that he's not anymore. But like. I, Toast, obviously, I would, I would, I would guess Toast before Mr. Beast because there's been obviously uh, way more shown interest and showcasing of disguise than there has been with any discussion about Mr. Beast. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we've heard anything from Mr. Beast for like a year now since yeah. his tournament, and they, when they brought him on the broadcast, I think it was 2022 finals. He was on the broadcast, maybe summer finals. I'm talking about. It's been a while. I couldn't tell yeah. you. Um, and I just think the last thing to note from this interview is that Travis asked them about the potential of the LCS moving out of Los Angeles, and they denied that fully, that there was not even any discussions happening, because we did mention on our episode two weeks ago that Monty uh, said that he knows of internal discussions that have been happening at Riot with regards to moving the LCS out of LA, and I don't necessarily... I don't necessarily think that one party is telling the truth and one party's lying because I think that there could easily be some disconnect between Carlos, a.k.a. Kako, and the people that Monty might be speaking to, considering the fact that this guy literally just took the role less than a month ago. It happens all the time where there's miscommunications, ones that he said, she said, and there's different opinions. But which voice am I going to trust more? The guy that's running the show, not Monty. No offense to Monty. Um, I think it's more likely that Monty heard a rumor that is false than it is that they are straight up lying. But the LCS has lied before. I'm sure of it. I just, I, my, maybe concern is not the right word, but my my guess is that he might not be, this is Carlos I'm talking about, it might not be fully in the loop yet. It's also possible that, like, they just straight up don't that maybe they've had those discussions they put it to bed already and at this point after yeah, having those conversations there's no reason for them they're like we've had the conversation and no we're not leaving the lcs so let's just put that to bed and say no we're not talking about it right now you know like they're they could wiggle around yeah that's um, true so yeah but anyways a really good interview shout out again if you guys haven't watched it i know we went over a lot of it but if you haven't watched it it was really interesting i again didn't love the answers but it was still interesting to watch and uh you can find that on travis gafford's youtube channel it was a really good interview uh we got quick news now jinter yep we got a hefty portion of quick news so we'll jump right into it first up uh gabby formerly latigris announced on her social media that she will not be participating on the lcs broadcast team for 2024 which is, it's disappointing from the standpoint that I think the both of us have said this over the course of the summer split that she's actually been getting a lot better as an interviewer. Now, the casting is a different story, but in terms of being an interviewer, I think she actually has been improving quite a lot. And I think that at the finals, she was 
giving some great interviews. So I think as her role as an interviewer, I think she will be missed on the LCS broadcast. But in terms of the casting, um, that was definitely a problem. And obviously the community backlash played a major factor in her decision, most likely. That's just a guess. Uh, but it would have been an unfortunate situation all around. Yeah, it's 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 unfortunate because we acknowledge many times she's not a good caster. We don't yeah, we don't need to beat the dead horse. We've talked about that a million times. The the problem is that the way that it went, the way that it went down, I would have to imagine it's from a lot of community backlash towards her. And our take on this has been consistent. It's it's really on the LCS for putting her up as a caster when she was clearly not good enough to be a caster. That is our opinion on it. I know for a fact there were people that absolutely loved her casting. I just think the overwhelming amount of people didn't. And it was very clear on any social media platform that talked about the LCS that people did not want her doing that. I just Some think people... it's... Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I just think it's ahead. it's heartbreaking that the only way to push someone out who's not good enough was to get flamed by the whole fucking community before they decide to step down. That's what sucks. Yeah. And it's, you know, another an important factor in this whole situation was the fact that Freak and Pastry Time were no longer a part of the LCS broadcast team as uh, color casters, you know, as the play-by-play guys. So they went from a four possible play-by-play caster, you know, grouping, and you lost two of those in such a short amount of time. And I think that, you know, admit it, actually, just to even quickly reference the interview that we were just talking about, they even said in that interview that they did do a lot of experimenting with the talent on the broadcast team um, the past couple of splits. And I think that, unfortunately, um, Gabby was, you know, got the brunt of that uh, flame because they were clearly testing out a bunch of different play-by-play casters. I'm trying to think of all the play-by-play, play-by-play casters we had in the summer split and even in the spring split, because we had the normal ones of, as you know, we had Captain Flowers and new guy Rafa. Azale did a little bit as well. You throw Gabby in there. You also throw in, you know, Mazale, I think, did a couple. You had Kangas do one. You had that Deserux guy do one. Uh, so I think that's seven we're at right now and i may be even forgetting one but you had seven total play-by-play casters make at least one appearance and the only dedicated ones that they currently have on the broadcast is captain flowers and rafa at this point and i know we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago on our last episode but someone brings it up in the chat and i think it's worth mentioning again that um dash tweeted out something along the lines of for the last time am, am i paraphrasing that correctly? yeah it was something it was almost like that it's heavily hinted that Dash is no longer with the LCS. Um, so yeah, the, to your point, there's quite a bit of uh, turnover. What, what's the right word? Turnover, yeah. That's the right word. Yeah. Um, which is, yeah, you use, you know, roll with the punches. Um, you did bring up Kangas. That is my pick. I think that will be the guy to replace the next year's Latigris. He was, they clearly used him for like the hype promoter guy this year at LCS finals. And he clearly did a good job there. He's not shy to be on camera. He does casting. To me, I think he's probably the front runner to be determined, right? Yeah. I, I probably learn in quite some time who's going to be taking that spot. Yeah. I, I think I said this previously. I don't recall when, but I was of the opinion that I think that the LCS will bring in some outside people 
whether or not that is some people who feature on the LEC broadcast or LPL English broadcast and whatnot, because I think, um, especially when it comes to the LEC, they have an abundance of casters that I think if I was the LCS, if I was running show in the LCS, I would pay a decent chunk of change to get some of those guys over here because I've said this before. I think the casting of the LCS has dropped dramatically. Um, yes. And I think a lot of that, unfortunately, does just have to do with the fact that a lot of the staples of the broadcast have moved on in the last two years, whether that be Jet, Freak, uh, Dash, uh, Pastry, uh, not not as relevant anymore, but throw it back even further, Zyrene. Like, <laughs> Shout out Zyrene. Yeah. Cream all over your team. <laughs> Iconic right there. I Okay, here's another take that I'll add to this. I refuse to believe that there is not another really good caster out there in North America. And honestly, I've listened to the, they had, they tried a bunch of them. Like you said, they tried a bunch of the uh, challenger and Academy or whatever you want to call it casters up at the LCS level. None of them to me really blew my hair back, so to speak. Uh, I thought they were serviceable, but none of them I thought were like great. I actually think that there is a world where they try more casters, just give more and more and more uh, different people the shot at the Academy mm. level until you find your next, maybe it's not Captain Flowers, but until you find someone that is maybe comparable to your Captain Flowers, right? Flowers was just some random dude that just tried it out and posted it on Reddit or whatever. I refuse to believe there's not someone else out there who is really fucking good at it. And I, I wonder how often, because I, I don't know, maybe they are already trying a bunch of different casters that, that we don't see of. I, I don't know. I don't know what the turnover is in, in Challengers. Um, but I, I do think that there's probably some good, some really, really good stud caster out there. I think, yeah, I think Mazale's pretty decent. He's the main guy on the LPL English broadcast. Um, although I will agree with the community sentiment that he, the one knock on him is that he just gets loud too often, which I do agree yeah. with. Yep. Um, and I also think that that's a little bit of a, at least in my opinion, that's one of the reasons why I don't like the North American casting as much as the other casting around the world is they try to make too much hype out of nothing. Yeah. Um, so Some, something else to point out too, is that like, maybe Rafa is the next flowers, but he just hasn't been doing it enough yet at the high levels. Cause like, honestly, I do think that Rafa actually did struggle in some of his casting on the LCS broadcast. I still thought he was more than serviceable, but I do think there there's some clear areas to improve. I know myself, I always get my wor words, I just, I'm doing it right now, get my words jumbled up and I get like mixed up in what I'm trying to say. So it's hard for me to fault someone else for that. But it is something that was noticeable as uh, on his casts and something that I think he can work on. Um, so maybe it's just like these guys that are casting in Challengers or even the LCS just haven't had enough time yet. Maybe, but I guess just one of the reasons why I was just alluding to or talking about earlier that if I was running the show, I would bring in outside casting as I don't think that we're in a time and in a landscape in the LCS right now where we have infinite time to continue to experiment with various things you know fair we, enough that's we, true we've been in a decline for three years now and i think to spend another year figuring out who's going to be like who can be good casters is time that is not going to be served well because we need we need good casters now we don't need yeah like you're right we had bad casting this year like we can't have it again th th this next year yeah last thing i'll say on it because we've been going on about this for more than we probably should is <laughs> pastry time is there like, bring this guy back. He's asking the players about ramen noodles the whole fucking year long. Like, 
I don't even mind the content that he's doing with the players. My problem is he's there. I, maybe there's a perfectly good reason as to why he's not casting. I don't know what it is. I like I think he was so underrated. Please bring back pastry time. He was so good. And obviously Freak was great too. I know a lot of people don't like Freak, but I actually thought Freak was really hitting his stride as, as a caster. And I thought he was great. So like we know they're there. Do they want to cast? That's a different question. I don't know. Freak is the goat. Yeah. Okay, what else we got? Uh, next up, uh, to flip over to some NACL uh, news, uh, DSG, they announced that they were releasing their NACL roster, but before everyone gets to be like, oh my god, DSG, they're getting out of NACL? Nope, that's not the case. Um, they released their roster in order to seek out LCS opportunities, and Toast did say in a statement, this same statement where they were releasing their roster, that they have committed to playing uh, for the NACL in 2024. And then LCS EV kind of dropped as a bit of an add-on to this was that it's expected that all of the LCS teams, I, I say all, the remaining three LCS teams who were involved in the Challengers League for the summer of 2023 are all likely going to be dropping their rosters and EG has already dropped their NACL team. Yeah, he says likely. Um, I, this, it sucks. Yeah, no shit. It sucks. But I, this to me, isn't the big blow. The big blow is that we lost all of the NACL teams a few months back. Like that's the, that's where seven teams dropped only three hung on. It's like at this point, what's another three. So mm -hmm. that obviously it still sucks. Um, it does seem like there is enough, uh, NACL team still to have a league where there is like tier two talent or whatever. One of the issues that I'm having with this, though, is like it is way easier to be able to judge a talent if they are being coached directly beneath you, right? So, like, if Cloud9 has a coach and a scout working with a player, you could see, like, you could test out their skill in this, that, or the other and see, oh, he's not good enough at this yet. We can't promote him. On the outside, being on a completely different team, you're missing a lot of the context for why a player might play a certain play style, why his champion pool is these specific champions. You don't get that context if you're not coaching them yourself, right? And that's one of the issues that I have with um, whatever remaining scouts the LCS is going to have. If, if Team Liquid has a scout, but they're having to scout like Disguise Toast's team, the only data that they get is watching the games rather than and there might be perfect um, explanations for why they're mistake making some of the mistakes that they're making. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Yeah. And I, I just wonder if then it'll turn into a bit of a situation where we do see more LCS teams do the partnership route with some of these NACL teams, whether they're not, you know, C9 is not going to have their own name brand challenger leagues team, but they'll be in partnership with one of the teams. You know, the prime example is, uh, the team AOE Gold, which has been in Challenger League for, I think, a year and a half now, they're directly partnered with Golden Guardians. So I would have to assume that those teams work fairly closely together and there is some, you know, there is more info that is given to Golden Guardians and there's some overlapping with the coaching staff and whatnot. Yeah, if that's the case, I feel a lot better about it. If, like, each team had their, you know, like, yeah, it's not C9 Academy or C9 Challengers anymore, but... Uh, what were the team names? Some random team. Maybe they're associated with Cloud9 for whatever reason. And one yeah, of Cloud9 maybe Cloud9 Nine wants to partner with, with Cincinnati Fear because Cincinnati Fear has been like a prime NACL Perfect. team that's, this year or something like that. Yeah, and, and maybe they get a lot more context around why they're playing certain champions, why they're having certain play styles, and things like that. That would make me feel a lot better about it. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, next what, up, what's next? 
I was alluding to some drama that we were going to discuss again, one that we still have not had answers to, and that is the Cloud9, Jack, and LS drama. There was a little bit of that happening this past week on Reddit and YouTube, because LS was obviously releasing some YouTube videos about it, but all of it started on Reddit, where uh, Jack was responding in the Cloud9 subreddit to comments that LS and I Will Dominate made on their Face Check uh, podcast, basically just discussing about the Cloud9 coaching staff and uh, trying to give a bit of a brief summary. But the brief summary is is that LS was making... He wasn't making claims. LS was discussing the Cloud9 coaching staff and Jack had a couple of issues with what LS was saying just because he doesn't work directly with the team anymore. And at least from Jack's perspective, it seemed like LS was making these grandiose statements about Cloud9 and their coaching staff when in actuality, he didn't feel that those were correct and or necessary. I think both of them end up looking at clowns at different points in this drama. Um, yep. First of all, let me just say this. It, it was on the episode of Face Check. They're criticizing Cloud9's coaching because the team hasn't gotten better and they should be getting better. That's Streamers have every right to criticize a team for whatever reason, right? So regardless of whether they have inside information about Cloud9's coaching staff, you and I could sit here and say, like, Cloud9 not really improving over the course of the split looks bad on them. It makes me wonder if Mitty's a good coach. And that, and that would be fair to say. Yes, you could obviously, as the viewer or listener, decide how much value you would put to that, because obviously Blue Jay and JNT250 are not sitting in on Cloud9 scrims. But we would have that right. Anybody should have the right to criticize whatever way they want. Um, with that said, if you criticize players or coaches of a team, I obviously think Jack has the right to defend them as well. <laughs> like to me, it's just so like, if some, if I'm Jack and people are coming after my players or, or coaches, whatever it is, I am going to stand up for them. So like, to me, it just seems so obvious that like, yep, they criticize the coaches. No problem there. And Hey, you know what? He stood up for his coaches. No problem there. I don't know why this got into anything more than that. Yeah, I mean, I, I I thought it seemed a little bit manufactured, if that's the correct word to put it, because, I mean, LS basically outright said that Mithy was a bad coach. He didn't say that, but he was heavily indicating that when he came out and said, you know, he didn't think that Mithy did a good job when he was handed the head coaching job when it came to Rainover. And then after he left Cloud9 to go to 100 Thieves, 100 Thieves wasn't a good team when Mithy was an assistant coach on then. And then comes back now to Cloud9 and Cloud9 clearly hasn't been improving, something that is very obvious and apparent to everybody in the community, ourselves included. Another thing that LS talked about was the fact that MNS and Fudge have been playing like dog for the last couple, you know, for about the last month. So not yeah. at all surprising that LS, you know, made these comments and said these things because some of what he was saying was quite frankly truthful. However, I definitely agree with you when Jack has every right in the world to defend his coaches and call wouldn't out you, LS on, right? you know, making these statements. Like, wouldn't you expect that? Like, if I'm LS and Dom and I'm saying all this, these bad things about the Cloud9 coaches, the, the obvious response that I would expect is Cloud9 to say, like, hey, you guys aren't on this team. I trust my coaches. They've been working their asses off because he probably sees it firsthand. Like duh and i'd be like yep he has every right to do that i still like if i'm ls yeah i still don't think missy's a, missy's a good coach but i'm not surprised jack would stand up for him fine you know and then I, you would think it would end there um 
the one area where I do think LS was being a little bit clownish, and we know clowns on this podcast, um, was there where he was saying, like, I wasn't saying Vagar wasn't participating in the team. He heavily hinted that, like, he said something along the lines of, like, who even knows how much Vagar's involved with the team, which is obviously, to me, hinting that Vagar's not that involved. And so that's what got the response out of Jack to be like, yeah, he is heavily involved, and he works his ass off. To, so to say that he's not, like, participating in this is kind of weird. So I don't blame Jack for responding that way whatsoever. And I think that that was a little bit odd that LS, like, pretends that he didn't hint Vagar's not participating, where he obviously did, in my opinion. Yeah. And I guess the other thing that seemed to be a point of contention was the point that LS continued to bring up when he was like, oh, you know, I have friends and, you know, I have people who I know who was on the coaching staff. And, well, he's not wrong about that. All the people that LS is referencing are no longer a part of the team. Right. So it's kind of difficult to claim that, you know, you have friends and know these things and know these people, but none of those people are involved with the org anymore. So these opinions and these things that you may know might not necessarily be accurate, you know, a couple of months later. Yeah. And then, so I completely agree with that. Things can change all the time. And if you're not involved with the team directly, yeah, then yes, it is speculation, as Jack said. Now, the one area where I think Jack was being a little bit clowny, again, we know clowns on this podcast, is he said, I know it's tough for LS to come to terms with his history at C9. I wish him well, even if he hates us. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily fair to just say LS hates us. <laughs> now, now, if you want to give benefit of the doubt, it's possible that Jack is not saying he hates us. Maybe he's just saying, even if LS did in fact hate us, I wouldn't have anything against it. He might be saying, like, do you get what I'm saying? There's a little bit of a difference there. But when you say it like that, it definitely sounds like Jack is saying, well, LS hates us. And like, that's, that is also speculation that he hates you. Yeah, I mean, to be fair to Jack, it is a little bit hard to ignore the possibility that LS has some disdain for your organization when he's calling you out on Reddit and YouTube and whatnot. So Jack's probably interpreting that as, well, this guy clearly doesn't like us that much if he's wanting to go at our coaching staff. Maybe, but maybe he, he's just, again, he has the right to criticize when a team's not getting better. Maybe he's just like, I don't see this team getting better, and so I'm going to criticize the coach, right? Like, that's yeah. where if I'm Jack, I'm like, I don't agree, and maybe I do think he hates us, but it's not my part to say here, because that is also speculation. Yeah. And then at the, the last thing, the one takeaway LS said at the very end of the, the video I was watching, he was like, please stop calling into question my character or thinking that I was just arbitrarily lying about things i'm talking about when i'm one of the biggest record keepers in this entire fucking scene specifically for reasons like this it's so fucking disgusting jack didn't accuse you of lying he accused you of speculating difference big difference Just yeah saying. and this kind of goes back to my initial point of why i think that the majority of this is all just manufactured is ls Honestly, I think LS is more to blame on this than Jack is, but LS seemed to want to look for things to go after as opposed yeah. to just he made his criticisms and then he could have just moved on from this whole situation. But no, he had to go after the fact that Jack said, this is all wild speculation. I was like, well, it's not wild speculation because I used to be on the team and I have friends. It's like dude was just looking for a reason to make some drama out of nothing. I agree with you. 
I think it is mostly on LS, but they both have their, their points here where they both come out not looking too good. To me, I'm going to reiterate it again. It should have been LS and Dom have every right to be criti- to, to criticize the team. Jack has every right to stand up for them. In fact, I would be disappointed if he didn't stand up for them. And it should end there. Done. Yep. But anyways, it was pretty interesting. I'll say that. <laughs> gave, us, gave us some spice. Yeah. Oh, shit. Uh, okay. Next What's up. Next? Uh, I guess to switch over to some LEC stuff. Um, Ibai, who is obviously a big name in the Spanish community, Spanish streaming community, but also big in the Spanish League of Legends community. Obviously, he's affiliated with Rogue slash Koi. Uh, but it came out that he apparently had to pay 3 million euros uh, from his own pocket to help cover player salaries plus their LEC license, which presumably, I know they said LEC license was the term that was used in this article, but that presumably is, you know, stuff with regards to the franchising fees and whatnot for the LEC. And also the fact that because of this whole situation that he might leave the organization or leave, remove his affiliation with the organization, because it's obviously not a good look if one of your partners has to put up, you know, personal you know, personal cash in terms of, you know, equity in the business on, so, on, a, sorry, on a moment's a little, notice. First of all, that's definitely not what you want to hear. But second, I'm a little bit uninformed on this. Was there like rumors that he might leave the org because of that? Because to me, him covering it makes me think that he has more loyalty to the org. Or am I missing some portion here? Well, I, 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 I don't know. I think it's just because of this situation. Yes, he might leave. Okay. Like I, I'm curious as to like whether he had to cover the three million. Well, know? I'm I'm assuming that's probably what it was. He had to. Or if he was okay. Why else would he be paying three million euros from his own pocket? Well, is he a full owner or is he just like partnered with the teams? Because if he's partnered with them, it shouldn't be on him to cover the full three million. Yeah, he's unless... he's he's just a, he's not he doesn't own anything. I don't believe he's just affiliated with them. Okay. I, I shouldn't mention. I shouldn't say much about this because, admittedly, I am really uninformed. I'm just. I guess I'm just curious. That's all. I, to my knowledge, he is not an owner. Please, if anybody does have that information, correct me on that. But to my knowledge, he's not an owner. He's just affiliated with the org. Okay. Interesting. And then to continue on to this point, um, we talked about Mr. Beast very briefly earlier in the episode, but similar to the Mr. Beast situation where he had a tournament and was wanting to invite LEC pros to come and. Uh, participate and right denied that approval ebay was also he hosted a tournament uh a euro cup style tournament in 2022 which was at the time going to feature a lot of notable lec pros um the ones who were named was caps upset and alfari had already agreed to do this but riot pulled the approval similar to how the lcs pulled approval for mr beast so once again talk about riot not doing themselves any favors back with this interview that they were giving once again not doing themselves any favors denying uh they basically ebay is probably the biggest non league of legends person that is involved in league of legends in the entire world right now i think i can't think of another notable person who is not primarily involved in league of legends who is bigger than him because i mean he's probably one of the biggest twitch streamers in the whole world at this point not my area of expertise, I have to admit. But yeah, it similar to the Mr. B situation, feels like dumb decision by Riot to do that. That doesn't sound like them, JNT. Come on. XD. Yeah. 
And then last up, not necessarily League of Legends, League of Legends related, but it's Riot related, and it's kind of epic. But apparently, Arcane season two is going to come out in Q4 of 2024. Let's go, baby! I am the reason why people always bat chest when they talk about Arcane. They're making fun of me. I'm the guy that gets overly excited for Arcane. I fucking love it. You know what I'm like when it comes to lore? I'm like a bronze player. Whereas, like, I'm just enjoying it. I love it. But I know, like, I'm just not even close to an expert whatsoever. So, like, I just feel like kid in a candy store where I don't even know, you know. I'm just excited to go after whatever's in the damn store. And, like, whatever you're going to put out, I'm going to eat it. And so with Arcane, I just cannot wait. Uh, The way it was announced was kind of odd. It doesn't look like... It was just at some like random conference or something. And I don't know if that's how it was meant to come out. It sounds more like a leak rather than an announcement. But I don't know if that's true or not. It was just but a anyways. statement. It was I just mean, a statement. Don't, don't you think they would normally do like a big announcement around it or nah? Well, probably when they have more specifics, yes, they would. But to say that they're going to release it in Q4 is the broadest of all things that means it could come out in like september it could come out in december that doesn't really mean feels anything. like a leak though no anyways oh. it feels like a leak to me i don't know if it is or not but anyways um with that said we should talk about the uh how it ended that show i guess spoiler alert we're not going to go into big detail about. yeah i haven't watched arcane what are you even doing here go watch arcane they jinx rocketed the damn council at the end there's that's that's what happened and the one discussion, the one small discussion that we wanted to have around this is, what do you think happened to the Jinx rocket? Or after the Jinx rocket, or whatever? I got one of two possible options. Okay, what you Option got? one, which is the shittier option, which I'd be kind of pissed if they did, is that somehow it gets blocked or protected. And <laughs> if, I had to, if I had to take a guess, if that were to happen, it'd probably be like Victor coming in, save the day with all of his Hexcore bullshit. And it's like, wow... The power of Hextech, everyone was worried that it's going to go crazy and fall into the wrong hands. And, oh, my God, Heimerdinger was right. No, it saved everybody. But I don't think it can't happen. happen, though, because it hit the glass. I remember the rocket hit the glass at the end of the thing. No, but what probably is, hit. it's probably going to hit. Some people are going to die from the council. But uh-huh. I had to lock in my one prediction. It's going to be that Caitlyn's mom or whatever, you know, she's going to turn into Camille. Her legs are going to get blown up. She's going to be Camille. That's how that's I all going to start. Thought, so that's I did hear that somebody again, people are probably listening to this. Like if there's a hardcore lore listener, they're probably like, these guys are fucking idiots. Yeah. Well, it's important. Wrong. It's important to note that while they are following the lore, it's not necessarily copy paste League of Legends lore to what's going yeah. on in Arcane. I and that is hear... that is something that is known is that they are, for the most part, following the League of Legends lore, but they are going to take some liberties when it comes to making the show. Yeah, I've heard that Camille is one of the characters in season one. I just didn't think it was Caitlyn's mom. She just has the look of Camille. Uh, maybe. Um, okay, what's your other scenario? Those are the two I just gave. Oh, you those were the two. Okay. Um, for me, I think pretty much everyone in there is getting roasted. Uh, the, the only issue with that is I don't think Jace... And I don't think Victor, but like, duh, right? They're champions. 
in the but I think like the the Madarda girl that Jace is in love with, I think she's going down. I think all the other council members are all going to die. And what I think is going to happen is with the whole council, nearly the whole council, I guess minus Jace being blown up. I think that's where Noxus is going to go. Uh, it's time to conquer because that's what we do at Noxus. And I think Noxus is going to come in. And I think again, this might this might be totally wrong. I admit I'm bronze, but I think that. Uh, the only way Zahn is going to help out Piltover is they say, give us our independence. And we become Zahn. Because we know Zahn eventually exists, right? I think the only way Zahn helps out Piltover against Noxus, if that's even a thing, is if they give them their independence. And that's how I think they get their independence. That's my guess. Hmm. And yes, is quite noob. Because I don't know much. The, the other thing is like, we haven't seen Victor in his final form. Maybe he dies and then turns into that robot thing. Like anyone who's played League of Legends knows Victor's a champion and does not look the way he does in the fucking show. Yeah. Um, well, either way, we're going to be sitting on our asses here for the next year awaiting that. So. I can't fucking wait, but it'll be fun. Okay. And then last thing we want to do was a world's update. Yeah. Yep. We got uh, a couple. Some, some other regions are figuring their things out, but. First off, very important to note that um, Spider-X, who, I, I don't, is he an actual guy that works at Riot or is he just a guy who's always active on Twitter? Don't know. But either way, Spider-X, very notable guy on Twitter, announced that the world's patch is going to be 13.19. And to put that into perspective for people, we're currently on 13.17. So uh, there was a so lot of changes. What was playoffs played on, though? Do you know what playoffs was played on in North America, that is? LCS was 13.14. So freaking a lot of patches mm -hmm. um but okay. for the most part i think that all the major changes are done because 1317 did have a lot of major changes and it'll probably just be some refinement of 1318 1319 so i you know i don't think there's going to be a lot of big changes from now up until the start of worlds but you know all the all the games that we've seen all the regional finals and regional playoffs those were all on old patches anyway so there will be some changes from what we saw when it came to the finals and whatnot, but in terms of League of Legends that's going on right now, solo queue and whatnot and scrims, shouldn't change a whole lot from now up until the start of Worlds. Okay. But anyways, going into the regions, LCS, obviously, nothing's changed there. We already know the results of all that. LEC, with the season finals now underway, G2, after beating Mad Lions, has locked in at least the number two seed because they've already advanced to the finals. Mad Lions and Fnatic have, are already the least are already at least the number three seed. BDS obviously playing Golden Guardians for the fourth seed and that final spot. The LCK now order has been decided after the regional gauntlet has finished. KT edged in as the number three seed with D plus being number four. My boys Hama Life didn't make it, but if they couldn't make it, I'm glad that Damwon gets to make it because I'm pretty sure Showmaker and Canyon are probably my two favorite LCK players that aren't Faker. Uh, so yeah, that's good. LPL, no changes either. That's all been sorted out for quite some time now. Uh, moving into some of the smaller regions, ones that will be participating in the playing stage. Uh, with PCS, no surprises at all. PSG Talon, they're already seeded into the finals. Um, and a returning team that we saw at Worlds last year will be back again this year. Flying Oyster, the homies, CTBC, Flying Oyster, whatever they were. They're also yep. in the finals with the winner, obviously, is the number one seed, loser number two seed. But both of these seeds are in the playing stage anyway, so it doesn't make a huge difference. Over in the VCS, no surprises, Gigabyte Marines, they're already seeded into the finals. They're actually going to be playing a team kind of similar to like the Flying Oyster, just because they have a cool name. It's Team Whales. Okay. I have no idea what that means, but their team name is Team Whales. They're I in like the finals. 
Uh, obviously, winner gets the first seed, loser the second seed, but both of those seeds are in the playing stage. And the LLA, uh, Rainbow Seven, a team that we've seen in international competition for a number of years now, they're back at the World Championships. Um, and the CB LOL, BCS, and PCS finals all happen on September the 9th. So pretty much one week from now, we are going to know all of the teams that will be attending the World Championship in South Korea. Beast. How epic. So, I mean, this this next week coming up, there's, yeah, there's lots of games, lots of finals, including the LEC one. So, mm-hmm. League of Legends fans get to rejoice, and then they get to wait a month. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just happy that KT and D-Plus made it. I got a little nervous at the end that KT wasn't going to go anymore. They seemed to be faltering. Those are my two teams. You were saying that um, if it's not Faker, then Showmaker is your favorite player. I think Showmaker is just my favorite player altogether. Showmaker and then BDD. Those are my guys. I will once again implore people to go watch the D-plus YouTube channel. It's so good. Showmaker's fucking hilarious. Him and and Deft, any any of those videos are always insta-watch. Okay. Uh, That's it for this episode, right? There's nothing else? Um, yeah, I mean, this I, could, is the... I, could, I could look at Reddit at this very moment to see if we miss anything in the last hour and a half. Okay, you go but... do that. This this is the part of the episode where I say, we don't know when the hell of our, when the hell our next episode is going to be, because there's not that much going on, especially in the LCS. Yes, this is an LCS podcast, but it becomes a world podcast. And when there's no worlds, God, we have to wait. Um, we're going to try to do episodes whenever we can, if there's enough to talk about, if not, we'll have to wait a week guys. Maybe we have to wait two or three weeks. I don't know, but we'll try to get episodes as long as there's anything to talk about. If we do the episodes, they will be the same time on twitch.tv slash clown fiesta podcast at 7 PM East, uh, 4 PM West. That's the, the regular thing. And then of course they'll be uploaded to YouTube and all those platforms that we mentioned earlier. If I had to guess, I think I would probably say there's going to be no episode next week. Maybe, maybe, maybe because there's LEC finals, but yeah, I think if there's no other news apart from the LEC just happening, there probably won't be. But if there is, there'll be an episode for sure. But we'll and let you know as if you always. want an update for it. Yeah, if you want an update for it, I always tweet out before we go live, and then we also we link it in our Discord. There's a Discord in the description of the YouTube channel. Uh, go click on that if you want to join the Discord. Um, That's the best place to there. hear any updates, and you know. If you guys want to ask us anything, and there's usually always some pretty good discussions that happen in there uh, on any given day. So when games are happening, not this past week, but also the, true, the yeah. last, the whole summer split, there's discussion in there. So yeah. Uh, okay, that's it. I guess last reminder to subscribe, like all that stuff, share it wherever the hell, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. This has been episode 139 of the Clown Fiesta podcast. <laughs>